Welcome to the Beyond X podcast. I'm your host, Mahir Ibrahimi, and every week I speak to leading industry experts, trailblazers, and market leaders, where we discuss the key topics of our time in detail and have a deep dive conversation on areas like sustainability, technology, urban planning and city design, health and fitness, and more. In today's episode of Beyond Health, I spoke with Dr. Grace Hamheister. In the first part of our discussion, we spoke about gut health, the microbiome, and the best ways to ensure healthy and functioning guts. We also touched on foods that can help improve athletic performance, food as medicine, and an overview of what functional medicine is and its connection to food. In the second part of our discussion, we discussed Food Fixer, the health tech startup Dr. Grace has founded, as well as a brief overview of intermittent fasting and fat diets in general. We then discussed exciting technologies and tools like cold laser therapy, blood flow resistance or BFR bands, nitric oxide, and more. The different discussion points are all timestamped throughout the episode, so you can freely move around as you see fit. Dr. Grace has over 20 years of experience in integrative medicine, based on her unique perspective of being a geeky scientist, in her own words, as well as an elite-level athlete, participating in Olympic-level rhythm gymnastics, and as a world champion water skier. She holds a bachelor's degree in psychology from the University of Minnesota, and a doctorate in chiropractic from the Palmer College of Chiropractic and is a member of the American Academy of Private Physicians. She is also the founder and CEO of Food Fixer, a health tech company that is an advanced food as medicine solution that utilizes the newest advances in generative AI, wellness GPT, and spatial web integration tools to create an evidence-based authoritative single source for people to find the foods that will help them recuperate from diagnosed conditions and diseases and conveniently purchase them from the local grocery stores through the app. First and foremost, thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Grace. It's a pleasure to have you with us. I'm honored. This is really fun. I'm grateful to be here. Looking forward to the conversation. Okay, before we get into the nitty gritty of it, I want to touch on how you got into this. Obviously, as I mentioned at the top, you started off as an athlete, then became a scientist, a functional medicine doctor. But what moved you to this direction? And how do you think your start in elite level sports shapes the way you move forward now as well? Actually, it was something that I experienced when I was a kid at the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs. I was there training. You earn the right to be there by competing and winning a, a seat to go. And when we were there, they actually fed us food from organic and gourmet chefs. That was the first time I had been experiencing food that was designed for me. Like mm-hmm. normally at, at home as a kid, we would just have dinner and we just had to sit down for dinner because it's family time. I didn't realize that the food that, that we eat has an impact on my athletic performance. Like we would learn little things at the time, you know, eat your carbs before a big event, nothing, that kind of thing. But right. it wasn't to the extent where they actually had a gourmet chef making our food. It was, I was like, this is pretty cool. Okay. So that was <laughs> my first exposure into the world of body performance and food. And then we had a mm-hmm. class when we were there. And they told us that in 10 years from now, 5% of the foods we eat haven't even been invented yet. And that blew my mind. Yeah. And it, it, it stayed with me. I remember, remember them saying that. And, and going to grocery stores now, you look at all the different cereals that there are, the different kinds of power bars and different waters and stuff. They're even just different from three years ago, right? So yeah. that's what sparked all the interest. It was having that exposure at, at a very young age and having that impact on me. And then seeing 
how I can have an impact through biochemistry and biology and neurology by becoming a doctor and utilizing all those skills and bringing them together to up-level how much your body can function. It's just, it's been an amazing experience. That sounds really interesting. Yeah. I love how you say there's so many new foods. I feel like there's these days more and more new foods that are pretending to be healthy, but aren't. And I don't know. And it's so challenging because so often I, my girlfriend brought home literally yesterday, collagen drink. And I take collagen powder. I, I eat enough meats and whatever else, but I still like to make sure I get enough collagen. But the drink has one gram of collagen in it. It's, I don't even know what to say. It has all these artificial flavors. It has all these things, but it has one gram of collagen in it. And, and it's really tiny writing in the back. You will never see it. And I don't know what your thoughts on collagen powder in, in general is, but just to, to me, looking at that, they're pretending to be something they're not. And most people will never know. They'll consume it and just be like, okay, this is great. That right there is a definition of why I created Food Fixer. People <laughs> honestly like have no idea. Yeah what they're eating, what it's made out of. And what's what's I think is just a gross representation of the worst part of humanity is food companies that make shit like that. Pardon me that I, when Honest. I say things like that sometimes, Go but, for it. but Go there's for no it. better Go word than it. that to me. Making things like this that are so destructive to the earth, that are so destructive to our bodies, every 36 seconds, someone in the United States dies of a cardiovascular event. Since we started this podcast, Several people have passed away from a heart-related disease. Uh, In the U.S., we're now past the 40% mark for obesity, and 609,000 people will die from cancer this year. All of these diseases have one thing in common. They are all potentially reversible and definitely preventable just by eating the right food. I can tell you what, the drink that she just brought home was not one of them. Oh, I, I know. I, yeah. did, I did. <laughs> I didn't mention that. Anyways, we'll get into this. We'll get into this. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I think right. you, you've put me in a really good uh, position to ask you about something that I'm personally really interested in, but I can't even get all the information that I want about. And that's gut health. I think it's something that's getting a lot of attention. I see it more and more. Some famous people are talking about it. Some good podcasts are mentioning it, but I think it's something that's still not really well understood. What the gut microbiome actually is, how you can improve your gut health, what you need to do to make sure that it's functioning at its best. I would love it if you could please give us an overview of what the gut microbiome is, how it impacts our health and the general role it plays in everything from digestion to immune function. That's a big one. (laughs) (laughs) Take your time. There are people that are doctors in just the gut for a reason. It's a very diverse and intricate and complicated system. And it's huge. It's huge. But what a lot of people don't realize, I'm going to speak from the integrative and and holistic approach to the gut. Okay, I'm not going to be talking about this like an MD would. I'm talking about Mm -hmm. this the way we would look at this from a bigger perspective, not just the little ones. The microbiome and the gut is basically a mini brain. The gut brain access, if you haven't heard of that, is a massive piece of new information that's actually based in old information of ancient wisdom. The gut brain access, when you feel something in your gut that is real, you, you have more neurology 
if, let, let me break this up just a little bit. 70% of your neurology and your immunology is in your gut. So when people are thinking of their brain as the, the center of all neurology, it's not. It is not the only thing working here. It, and there's a nerve called the vagus nerve. It's a cranial nerve that goes all the way from your brain through your neck by your jugular and branches into every single organ all the way down to your sphincter. So it's the only thing that's connected directly from your brain all the way entirely to your body. That's the one neuron that does connect directly. But think about that. Think about the implications of that. When something is happening in your gut, it's directly connected with one source to your brain. So there's so much to be looked at to help to balance both of those things, the chemistry involved, the biochemistry involved. When you're looking at the microbiome itself, getting the right probiotics and having prebiotics to help probiotics to grow and then eating <laughs> things that aren't going to kill the probiotics like sugar and acidic foods, and you have to have that balance too. I can go on and on about how complicated gut is, but if you want specifics on how to repair it and that kind of thing, we can get into that. Sure, yeah. Let's get into that. What are okay. some of the things we can do to improve it both actively and passively, let's say? I've got the top five, and that's first and foremost is avoiding trans fats, excited toxins, corn sugar, and GMOs. Stop okay. those. Right there. <laughs> Those are the five things that if you do that right now, will have an impact on improving your gut health and your brain health and improving cellular longevity within your entire body system. So trans fats and excitotoxins, first of all, what are they? Let's start there. A trans fat is something that's hydrogenated, hydrogelized. Um, hydrogenated is what you can see on the label when you're looking at the ingredient list. These are things we look at ingredients first. The entire purpose of food is to keep our chemistry and our biochemistry working so our body has optimal function. If you're eating things that will destroy our optimal function, those, are, those can be insidious over years and years. If you keep eating the same kinds of things, that's why you see the tumors starting to grow. That's why you see obesity getting worse. That's why you see your heart getting attacked little by little by things like free radical damage and, and calcification and, and all this stuff because we're eating the things that our body is trying to repair us from, but you just right. keep putting it in. Uh, trans fat is one of those things. It's now banned in most countries. Uh, unfortunately, the U.S. still allows it <laughs> in a lot of places, but that it, the science is overwhelmingly showing that eating these things are definitely a direct correlation to these health conditions getting worse. Just taking it back again now, what is an excitotoxin? An excitotoxin is stuff like MSG. MSG, monosodium glutamate, what that does is it triggers in your brain you to feel satiated or to like to the flavor that you want and have. Um, however, what it's actually doing is just overfiring neurons and the continuation of that overfiring leads to things like Parkinson's, MS, and a variety of neurological degenerative diseases. Another thing that I, I mentioned is sugar. You want to be doing five grams or less in your servings if you can help it when you look at the um, ingredient list. And it's because sugar is extremely acidic. So it makes everything in your body less able to function. A cell functions best in an alkaline-rich and an oxygen-rich environment. 
that's when you don't get as many of the bad things growing like bacteria and viruses and all this stuff. And when you have a wound in your body or if you're in a state of inflammation all the time, they carry a charge that's negative. So say you just had, you know, you cut yourself, you had surgery. That wound would be negatively charged and that's acidic. So if you're adding more acid in, you're not going to have the mechanisms necessary to help these areas to repair. So that's where sugar is also a major issue too, having that in. And is that all types of sugars, so sucrose, fructose, glucose, every type, or is it specific sugars that are worse than others? Yeah, whole sugar in, in its own format is better every day, any day, than just the derivatives. Sucrose okay. and the sucralose, sucralose, if it ends in OSE, it's, it's doing more damage <laughs> than it would okay. if it was just in its normal formats. A raw brown cane sugar or agave or stevia, they tend to be less aggressive on the system and don't spike insulin as much. Monk fruit, things that are in their whole format that were formulated for us by God and Earth in the first place, not manipulated in a, in a lab, right? right? Right, I personally, I have my tea in the morning. I love chai tea. I use three drops of stevia. And that's more than satiating for, to feel a sweetness. And it doesn't spike insulin, doesn't have all that, the, the negative acidities that, that I was talking about. The last of the five, now just to round that out, trans fats, mm -hmm. excited toxins, corn, sugar, and GMO, corn is the one that I want to talk about. GMOs, we all know, are directly correlated to cancer creation. We're seeing that in studies over and over again. And corn is one of the number one most genetically modified plants on the planet. Not only are you eating a cancer source, literally, uh, but the chemistry of the plant is what a lot of people are really don't know about. And this is the thing that's the worst part of corn. So in your body, when you have, when I was talking about like the surgical wound or if you have a state of inflammation that you need to repair, there's a system that is in our body that checks and balances itself. And at the basis of that system are omega-3 essential fatty acids and omega-6 essential fatty acids. Omega-6s are high when you have inflammation. Omega-3s come in to decrease them so that you can have less inflammation and heal. So omega-3s help bring down inflammation. Omega-6s are high when you have it. Now, when you're looking at ratios in food of how many omega-3s are in the food, one-to-one -one ratio would be healthy and status. You won't have one moving higher or lower. Corn, for every one omega-3, the good guy, there are 80, 80, 80 omega-6s. Wow. So you are literally adding gasoline to the fire every time you Jeez. eat that one kernel of corn. You'd have to eat 80 omega-3 essential fatty acid pills to reverse what you just had. It's that piece of popcorn. So that is a grossly ununderstood <laughs> fact uh, in science that people have no concept of. And it's, I haven't touched corn in probably 15, almost 20 years now when I learned about that because it's that important. And that's the reason a lot of people are always saying you should generally avoid vegetable oils, am I right? Because well, of the omega-6 content being much higher than... It depends. It depends on what, what okay. the oil is. Vegetable oil in, in general is a good thing. Honestly, right. olive oil helps to heal your body and that's an omega-9. That's neither. But most right, right. of them that um, some vegetable oils are bad. First of all, what's the vegetable? Is it corn oil? But yeah, it's bad. 
when I go to a restaurant, sunflower. Ask, yeah, exactly. Is it sunflower? Is it canola? Canola is actually a manufactured product, so that's that's one that starts there too. But grapeseed okay. oil, is it coconut oil? All these are plants, but which one is it, or is it just an amalgamation of a bunch of them that a chemist put together? That right. so you ha- you just have to ask. You literally have to ask. So which ones are good from all the ones you just said? Oh, that was an easy one. Well, from the rest. <laughs> well, it depends on what you're doing. Meaning, are you eating it in its raw format, raw and cold? Or are you using it to cook? Because some oils, the reason you shouldn't have them for cooking is because they go rancid while you're cooking. And that destroys cell tissue after. The best ones for cooking are that can stand higher heat are grapeseed oil and coconut oil. Those are really great for that. Grapeseed oil is actually an anti-inflammatory, which is great as well. So I love that one. And, and the sunflower, I, I love the flavor. Sesame is one of my favorites to have. It does, it can handle a little bit of the higher temperatures, but it just pops in so much flavor when you're making mm-hmm. dishes. So it's, that's a really great one that's too. That's so true. So I, I interjected a couple of times there, but you were saying the GMOs are also bad and my question there would be so much of the food we eat now, it's not necessarily what we would constitute as GMOs, but they're so different to what used to exist. What I do know is the history of farming and how our foods have been created just out of my mm-hmm. own personal passion. And 50 years ago, the food that we have was so much more nutrient dense because the soils had more nutrients in them. An apple today has literally like 25% of nutrients that an apple even 50 years ago had. So we're definitely living in a space where the nutrient value of our foods is significantly less. But when you're talking about stuff like kale and lettuce and stuff, I'd rather see people eating that all day long rather than the manufactured chemical food-like products <laughs> that we're eating. Right. But, and then, but then you have to realize too, you're right. There are a lot of the things that we're eating now that are breaking foods that were just created by splicing things together just to give us more options. And that's another thing that's actually really harsh on the gut too, just to go back to the original question. If you're eating in a non-seasonal way, you're really not doing your body any good either. We weren't designed to eat strawberries in winter because they don't grow like your body especially coming from a place where we have serious winter we have snow it's not like winter in la <laughs> it's, it gets a little cold you're like you know it's a little cold but it's not like actual eight feet of snow outside so yeah, someone like me living here definitely has a different gut biome than somebody who does live in la or that would live in a in a desert environment for that matter however the earth does have its seasons and at different p- times Sometimes you're meant to be taking in nutrients. Sometimes you're meant to be detoxing from them. And sometimes you're meant to be at rest. That's just the natural phase of a cell, of our bodies, of our life, and of the earth. And if you are in concert with that natural flow, your gut function and brain function and body function is going to be so much more in its optimal range than you would be if you're constantly working against that flow and being outside of it. And when you say seasonal, are we talking mostly on temperature or is it based on time and the, the cycle of the earth and the moon or? Yes, biodynamics, cycle of the moon and earth, spring, summer, winter, fall, that kind of timing. Yeah. Okay. So you said the don'ts. What are the do's? What should people do to make sure they have a healthy gut? Definitely. First of all, that the do was avoid those five things. 
Fair enough. That's fine. You not do that. Yes. <laughs> and then on top of that, the suggestion that I just mentioned with eating seasonally, that's very mm. helpful. Alkalinize your system as much as you can. So find foods that are high in, in alkaline value. And also, there's a really great sources of water now, too. I personally use a Kangen machine. They're from Japan. And they alkalinize your water for you, and as well as add electrolytes to it. This machine does. Interesting. So That's really cool. It's really cool, yeah. But in any science, when alkaline comes out, acid has to come out the other side. It's like the side product. So what's cool about this machine, too, is it actually can um, sterilize and sanitize for you with the heavy acid that comes out. And that's actually what they use in Japan for, for surgical equipment. Instead of using wow. abrasive and aggressive detergents and things, they use this, which I think is really cool. So anyway, back to the gut. So alkalinizing through the foods and the water and avoiding the toxins, eating seasonally, um, alkalinizing your system, fitness and exercise so that you're definitely sweating and helping toxins to, to move. Eating in a way that is synergistic to how the gut needs to move food through you. So this is another one that, that that's one of my favorites just to, to talk about because it's something else that people just usually don't hear about. But alkalinity can go in two different directions and that includes foods and if they're an alkaline food versus an acid food, how your stomach acid breaks it down. Because you have acid in your stomach and then you have alkaline in your like bile. The gallbladder brings up bile and that's alkaline. So if you're eating something that's heavily acidic like meat, for example, you don't want to pair that with something that needs to be broken down with a lot of alkalinity like a potato. Meat needs acid from your stomach. Potato needs a lot of alkaline. On a pH chart, you go from 1 to 14. 1 is acid, 14 is alkaline. In the middle, what's, what is it? It's seven. It's neutral. So if you have heavy acid, heavy alkaline, put it together, put it in your gut, it's neutral. Your gut's not breaking anything up because it can't. It, it neutralizes itself. So that's when you feel bloated and you're regular and you can't digest the food very well. And you're not pooping as much as you should. Like all these things are because you're not digesting as well as you could. So pairing so the, the meat with something that's not rice or potato or starch, it's instead pairing it with vegetable or broth or something like that, it, your body ha it has to work less hard to digest and you get more nutrients out of it and you get better function out of your gut as well. So acid with acid and alkaline with alkaline or just generally it's better to have more food that's alkaline? Yes to all that. <laughs> yes <to> all <laughs> cool. That. Yeah, okay, fair. exactly. Just uh, The biggest thing is, you know, no, no meat and potatoes, beans and rice. You know, that's two starchy things that once you don't want the protein with the something that's starchy. Protein and starch don't go together very well. What about supplementing uh, probiotics? What are your thoughts on that? I am definitely a fan. What I also recommend outside of that, though, if you've ever heard of Donna Gates, she wrote the book Body Ecology Diet. It's an absolute masterpiece. It can be really confusing, though, if you don't know a lot of science. It's a big read. It really is. But I had the honor of working directly with her. And she was one of my earliest influences on gut repair, alkalinity, what to eat, all these things. And one of the things that she brought my attention to was look at the difference between eating, we'll just use the kale example again. If you pick a, pick a leaf of kale on the earth and eat it, 
all these live enzymes and all it, it all the life force of the plant is so vibrant at that point. Take that same leaf and put it in the freezer for a year. It's not going to be the same. So I think that having a probiotic is better than doing nothing. But to be able to get live probiotics in your body that are actually like living food, that's a whole different ballgame. You get so much more out of it, basically, it, it, when, when it's still alive. So I love things like kimchi and cultured vegetables, things that have that, the yogurts, especially plant-based yogurts. If, if you're not doing a lot of dairy, that's, that's better. If you can at least try to give your gut less dairy, it really does work better. It, it, does, it, it directly affects the tight junctions in your gut, and that can have, be an, an issue over time. Certain cheeses in France and in Switzerland, they tend to have a lot less impact, negative impact on the gut, but a, a lot of the processed ones and stuff, Okay. Dairy, not my favorite. <laughs> not drink- Low-fat yogurt as well isn't something you would recommend, I'm guessing. Yeah, it's make sure it actually has probiotics in it. There's some brands out there, again, this is what's so frustrating. People think that they're doing well and they're getting their probiotics and they're getting their yogurt. There's some brands of yogurt that are out there that literally have just as much sugar as a Coca-Cola and there's no Gosh, actual yeah. pro- probiotic in it. It's just, it's, again, these are the things that just drive you bonkers. That people don't. I think they're doing well, and they're just not. Kefir is really great. I love kefir. Coconut water kefir, that is like the crown jewel of all awesomeness for probiotics in your gut. Because you get the healing properties of the coconut, you get the probiotics in there, and the probiotics actually eat the sugar, so you don't have the excess sugar from the coconut. But the amount of healing that you get from the anti-inflammatory process and the healing enzymes within coconut is just... It is like the earth's magic pill for us. So I highly recommend coconut water kefir. And Donna Gates even has a way to make it yourself. You can use, she's got recipes for it. So I would look at her book, The Body Ecology Diet. Interesting. Okay. So you, I know that you're going to say anything that's naturally occurring is always better. I've seen a lot of people mentioning both probiotic pills and uh, green powders like athletic greens or any green powder that has a lot of different fiber screens that also at least advertise that they have probiotics. What are your thoughts on those? That's why we were talking about prebiotics because the prebiotics help the probiotics to grow and stay mm-hmm. healthy. Yeah, you can just <laughs> look it up. It's going to be there according to science. Yeah, chicory root, dandelion, Jerusalem artichoke, garlic, onions, leeks, asparagus, bananas, barley. Am I on the right track? Are these correct? Yeah, that that all sounds good. I don't think that bananas are. They're really high in sugar. So that wouldn't be a really good prebiotic. Although they're really great in fiber. That's probably why. But Potassium. Yeah. Actually, coconut and pineapple have more potassium than banana. So if you're an athlete and you're eating bananas, stop. Eat pineapple instead. Because not only is pineapple higher in potassium, but it also has a natural enzyme in it called bromelain which is natural anti-inflammatory so you don't repair your body faster i'm glad you said that and i literally have a couple of slices of pineapple before every workout and i didn't know i just liked it i just thought it was cool but yeah it's not something that's talked about enough i think outside of elite athleticism just the performance elements of what you should eat before a workout a lot of bodybuilders are saying okay you have enough protein you have fast digesting carbs digesting carbs avoid fat because it slows down the metabolism of what you're eating Right. But I, I never see information on, oh, these foods actually help you work out better. These foods don't. Outside right. of endurance training, right? Yeah. My main focus when it, c- it comes to looking at the athletic perspective 
is how fast can your body repair? Because when you're looking at elite athletics, the guy that can heal the fastest will have the, the most power the next day. That was the entire purpose of one of the doctors on the Tour de France to work with the team was to get them to repair at night after they use their bodies so harshly all day long. Mm -hmm. Because the more energy and cellular function they had the next day, the more that they could win. So that's how I approach my understanding of food for athletes and for people in general. That's my expertise in, in, as a doctor is cellular repair through not only food, but also cold laser therapy, hyperbaric oxygen therapy. IV vitamin drips. There's a ton of stuff out there. PEMF, which is pulse electromagnetic wave frequencies. Grounding so that you're earthing mm. and getting cortisol to re release it. However, to go back to why I look at nutrients with the athlete repair, it is to get as, as much power as possible in their next, in, in the next day, how fast you can get out and be productive. That's where I specialize. Makes sense. I want to expand on that. I want to expand on the concept of food, not just for performance, but as medicine. And I think that's yeah. a big part of what you're doing with Food Fixer. But in general, it's something I think that a lot of people are talking about more and more. But I've known about this since I was a kid. My, my Persian grandmother always used to say, oh, if you have a stomachache, have some turmeric water. If you have a cold, have some uh, tea, rose petals, honey, these kind of things. Asian medicine has existed for thousands of years. There's holistic medicine and a lot of other things. Yeah. Could you give us an explanation of what functional medicine is and then how does food play into all the things, all the amazing things that it can actually do for people? Functional medicine is a branch of medicine that approaches looking at the body from a wider lens. And the medical community, MDs, brought things down to the microscopic level, looking at things from structure as it is in that micro space. When you cut apart a cell and you're looking at all the things that the cell is made out of, it was a necessary portion of how we understand science and how the building blocks of things are. But mm -hmm. we don't forget, those are the building blocks. We are the entire system. We're not just that CoQ10 in the cell. That's going to be used for a whole bunch of stuff all over the place. So you can't just micromanage your body. And that's, I think, one of the most harmful things about the pharmaceutical industry is they keep taking apart little these little pieces of what the body needs. When you're listening to a commercial that talks 20 seconds out of a 30 second commercial is talking about the side effects that can happen, that's a problem. <laughs> and especially when that side effect is and death, you're like, wait, what? what what's happening here? <laughs> I, I might die, but they're so sweet. And they're the rest of the, the whole, but that's the family playing in the background. Like it's just uh, so crazy to me. It's just so crazy. But that's the danger of looking at things at that micro level too long. So what functional medicine has done is taking that lens of looking at how much data is in our body. There's so much data in our body that we're not looking at from urine samples, in our poop, stool samples, blood, saliva, hair, all these different components have a story to tell us. And we can get to the basis of the disease, not just putting our fingers in the dam where the holes are. We can right. actually get what's creating those holes in the first place. And that's what functional medicine does. And integrative medicine takes the best of both worlds, of today's science with ancient wisdom and brings them together. Okay. And, and what role does food play into all of that then? So food is our fuel. We have to eat. Everyone's got to eat. So how food interacts with functional medicine is we can upregulate those little microsystems and keep them intact as a system and allow them to function together more efficiently 
with the right kinds of phytochemicals, plant chemicals, phytochemicals, biology, organic chemistry, all those things that make our body work at those little micro levels, the gut function, all these things. But what the food helps us to do is to get those systems to work more efficiently and to communicate inter interdependently and on their own. So food is basically our body's mechanism for function. And if you're not giving your different systems what they need, your eyes are different than your, your liver, which are different than your kidneys, but each have their own function. And that's where science has been really awesome for us is discovering what those micro pieces are. And that's what functional medicine does is it looks at not only how eating that artichoke is going to help you with your gut and the prebiotic, but it also has a ton of zinc in it. So that will help with your immune system or like that's that to me is where food is so important because you need to look to see what vitamins are in the food and where you can find it. You've given quite a few examples already of foods to avoid and you gave a couple of good examples of foods that we should eat and how we should eat them. Any other suggestions? Is there foods that like everyone should make sure they have somewhere in their diet at least once a week? Diversity is important. So I don't want to pick at any one certain thing because it's really truly is important, especially when you're looking at plants you want the diversity in, in your plant-based food and then of course staying away from eating too much gluten and soy those are really very hard on the gut and don't really have a really good purpose either <laughs> for you but i would say that getting lots of greens juicing is a great way to get in a lot of nutrients i love juicing and smoothies that kind of thing you don't have to chew it a lot and you can eat a lot more of it even better and then what i learned at the Olympic training center which was taught to us by a man named, it was a quote from Jack Mullane. He's an old school, old G that he was huge into fitness and brought fitness into the awareness of people back in the 40s and 50s and the 60s. And he said, if God didn't make it, don't eat it. Yeah. That's the way I look at it. I've heard you say that before and I love it. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. That makes perfect sense. That brings me to my next question. One that I'm not sure about, basically, personally, is sweeteners, artificial sweeteners, they call it. But I think stevia is naturally occurring. So I don't know where that lies in the spectrum of things. I know you mentioned stevia as a good thing. I've heard some people say it has adverse impacts on our guts, but I could never find any research on this. So curious to know what your thoughts are on general sweeteners outside of sugar, obviously, because that right. we've covered enough. I think we discussed this a little earlier already. If it ends in OSE, but it's not so great for you. Stevia is a plant, so that it's more of God made it, so eat it. <laughs> Gave is also a great one that comes from more of a desert source. But honestly, this is where functional medicine is interesting because some people can digest this stuff and some people can't. And I think that's where a lot of the confusion comes in. Everybody, for as much as us as human, we have a lot of systems that are very similar. That's why we're humans. We're also very much individuals. That's why we all have our own little fingerprint, literally have our own fingerprint. And that's the same within our bodies too, within our guts. Like some people can tolerate digesting vitamins and some people cannot. That's our blood and our blood types and our natural biomes, where we live in the world. What, what, what's, what is the terroir around us, the, the, the territory? What, what is the soil like? Somebody that, that lives in Norway will digest differently than someone who lives near the equator. So all these right. things are having an impact on, on us. And the sugars, it's the same thing. So that's where I, I like to do testing and find out what your gut likes and what it doesn't. 
Fair enough. So it's just about trial and error and then you speak to a professional and they give you kind of advice and suggestions on what the best practice is for you would be basically. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Makes sense. I bring this up because I'm obsessed with health and fitness and I take pride in my research skills. I get a lot of my friends asking me questions about specific things in health and fitness because they know my obsession. And what I see a lot of times is people forward me reels, TikToks, whatever, from different influencers, let's call them, on health and fitness. Some of them are speaking complete nonsense. Some of them are real experts that are reading. They know their stuff and they're talking from a scientific or clinical background and they're giving really good information. A lot of times, though, I think it's somewhere in the middle where someone has some good insights, but they're mixing a lot of crap with it. And sometimes where they're rephrasing or regurgitating information that is somewhat relevant and then trying to get that out to their audience or whomever. And it almost causes this mass confusion. The gut microbiome is one of those areas, I think. That's why I wanted to ask you about specifically because there's just so much misinformation that I've heard people talk about from everything you were saying today that just don't make any sense. So just on the subject of information, is there a place that people can go? Do you have any pearls of wisdom, if you will, on a place that people should go to get information like this, resources online that have good, valuable information. Stay tuned and watch Food Fixer grow. <laughs> That's what we're doing. Yeah, I'm taking data from of like over 3 million different studies that are in science that are based in science, in double-blind randomized trials, and also things that are from functional medicine textbooks and from another company, it's called examine.com. And where they literally, all they do is examine studies and then give you the best information by looking at all the different studies and report on what that is. That's a great source, examine.com. They're a really good one, but you have to pay for it. There's uh, things okay. that we do as doctors that we pay for this information because there are people who are scientists who is their job to give us this information. That's right. where Google can be really dangerous and, and these influencers and that kind of thing too. And I touched on this earlier, when you're looking at conflicting information, sometimes what's conflicting for you may not be conflicting for someone else, meaning your body may be able to handle a certain nutrient mm -hmm. that someone else may not. You may have a gene that stops allowing iron to be taken up by your cells so you get more iron in your blood, which can be deadly. And so somebody like that has to be careful of what kind of foods that they eat, that it won't be too iron rich. And yeah, you get the picture. But to bring back something else that I think is very important, when you're looking at nutrients and supplements and things that your body needs, it becomes a fad a lot in the nutrition and fitness world to choose mm -hmm. one of these things that is in microbiology or is in the cell structure, for example, CoQ10. And now it's like, CoQ10 is the coolest thing on the planet right now. And it's always been there. It's always been part of what we need to repair. And it's something that's important. And that's something else to be aware of as a consumer, that we are consumers, that we are a commodity to this industry. And there's a sense of needing to know what your body truly needs and what you think you should have because it's being what's talked about right now, get tested. If you need vitamin D, I don't know, go see how much your body needs right now. Go see what your markers are. Go to a functional medicine doctor and find out how much omega-3s you have in your body, how much zinc you need, how much these things. 
That's what would be your true data. Spend less time looking for things that you don't know if you need them and more time looking for doctors or practitioners, nutritionists who have the information to do the testing to find out what you do actually need. So my challenge with that is, I completely agree, of course, but my challenge with that is that a lot of times these things are so expensive. Like we have certain tests out here that you can do to know what foods you're allergic to, what your inflammation markers are, a lot of the things you mentioned earlier, but they're super expensive, over a thousand dollars to get the tests. And not everyone can afford that. So what do you do between just consuming information online and doing expensive tests? Yeah, there's, that's a fine line. The good thing is, though, that's where I would just be more tuned into what startups are doing. Because that ecosystem is what's make, bridging these gaps. So I think I've got all the information on what we should do and how we should do it. I want to touch on nutrition and diet. But first, I would love to know more about Foodpixel. You've mentioned it a couple of times. And obviously offline, we've talked about it quite a few times. So can you give us some insights on what Food Fixer is, what you're doing just from everything I could read online and all my love of tech and health? It sounds like a very cool thing. It sounds very unique. And I think just being able to really quantify that food as medicine and food for functional health is going to be very interesting. So if you can give us an insight on what Food Fixer is doing, how you're doing it. Food Fixer has been in the work been in my mind and working in my clinic, should say, for the last 15 years. And I've just reached the space where I'm limited with what my human body can do now. It's time for the technology. <laughs> over. <laughs> what Food Fixer is, we're a health tech company and we are starting with an app that helps people to repair from the conditions that they have with whole foods and whole food eating. You fill out a little bit of a questionnaire and find out what your condition is, what symptoms you have that you're suffering from, be it heart disease or you just survived cancer and you need to change your lifestyle or you had a concussion and you want to do some brain repair, whatever the case may be. You give us your condition and our algorithm, according to science and literature, will give you an actual grocery store list of the foods that have the highest, densest nutrients to help your body to repair. So... That's not just looking at macronutrients and salt or sodium intake and sugar and these kinds of things, like all the weight loss apps out there. We specifically focus on ingredients, sustainability, which foods will help to heal your body, or which ones can make you worse. How this has been developing, we are in the MVP creativity process right now. I have a company called Suggestic that's working with us, and they have a team of engineers that are constantly updating and working with the API that we need. So what they've done is over the years, they've been generating a massive database where it has all this information that they've been gathering, especially in the United States right now. All the foods in the FDA database, all the nutrients in those foods, all the foods that have the groceries in them, uh, what's in the labels, like all this stuff. I don't need to reinvent that wheel. They've been doing it for over 10 years and they have a a really great database or library of, of, of data. So they're helping me to streamline how we go through the process of what is the workflow of Food Fixer. So you give us your condition and we give you an actual grocery store list. So you can go shopping for the foods that will help you to repair. Very cool. Now, on top of that, what's also very cool is we now are integrating ChatGPT enabled coaching system. So you have a live coach, a real person that's working with you. But they also are integrated with a system that helps to automate 
more of the responses and actually like text with you and give you directions and things for help to not only help to engage you more, but also to help with the success of the goals that you're looking for. So it's really cool. It's called Wellness GPT. But that's what Suggestic has just started to integrate into their systems. They actually purchased a company that was doing this and they would get eight to 80 times more engagement with users and success rates because you have someone helping you. We have that integration as well with Food Fixer. And we're looking to do some other really cool things with Spatial Web, but I, I don't want to get ahead of myself. We need to just make this MVT first. <laughs> but Makes sense. suffice it to say, the reason we spelled Food Fixer without an E is because there is definitely going to be virtual reality aspects to it, including what I'm looking at right now, where you, when you scan the ingredient list, a pop-up will come up that'll show you what are really good or which ones are really bad or what, like, it'll say, this is a trans fat. What is a trans fat? How do you know what they are? You're not supposed to eat trans fats, but what is it? So we'll have that with a little food fixer guy in, in, in VR on your phone, showing you things. And it's just going to be, it's going to be fun and engaging. It's not going to be a super linear, like my fitness pal. And it's also truly a food is medicine solution. We are not weight loss. Weight loss will be a side effect for what we're doing. Our condition-based programming is designed to help the body repair. That's what we do. That's very cool. I think gamification is very smart to incorporate because... It's just continuously been shown to increase efficacy on anything you're doing if you gamify it a bit. So that's pretty smart. So take me through it again. It, you give your conditions. It gives you uh, a list of foods that you should get. And then you said there's a scanning option. So when you're at the grocery store, you can scan barcodes to tell you if the foods are healthy as well or if you can put them back simply to MyFitnessPal or other apps out there. Yeah, that's exactly correct. Because we also, in the process of this, besides having the grocery store list, we also have access to recipes and meal design. When you're trying to put together your, your menus and stuff, you'll have the list first. One thing that I find is grossly underrepresented in grocery and in food is people's knowledge of just what the foods are that you eat. So a lot of apps that are out there start with giving you recipes that you like of foods that you may be liking or whatever. And then when you get the recipe, then it gives you a grocery store list of what you need to shop for to make that recipe. In my eyes, that's backwards. When you're looking for food, food is medicine. It, it truly is medicine. Food is designed to keep us alive, but also to help us to thrive. And right now, people aren't thriving because they're choosing foods that are feed-like products, which we talked on before, they're, they're full of toxins, of trans fats, cytotoxins, corn sugar, GMOs. If, if you're getting a recipe of something that looks healthy, but you're choosing ingredients to make that recipe that may have some of those toxic debris in them, you're looking at it all wrong. So that's why I want to democratize the grocery list. I think it's critical that people get the information and no matter how much money you make, no matter where you live, no matter what your skin color is, you have access to this information, period. And when you get that grocery list, then there's a subscription model for learning what recipes you can make with the food and that kind of thing. Or people can just get creative and do it on their own. But the list needs to be free. The list just needs to be free. It, it's, it's like having the FDA list. People don't even know that exists. And then right. how do you surf through that? So we pinpoint the kinds of things that will, according to your biochemistry, be most, most efficient for your body to help cellular repair. And then when you know what those foods are, 
then you can make them into a recipe, but not recipe first. And it doesn't, there's no specific type of diet or nutrition that you would promote with this, right? It's just about the foods themselves and then whatever other type of nutrition you'd like to have or structure to your nutrition that you'd like to have, you can continue having, right? Yes. You just build on whatever your lifestyle diet is. Unless, of course, you're starting over and you don't know what to do, then we'll, we'll make suggestions for you, right? Oh, I mean, okay. If you're vegetarian or you're vegan or you want to be paleo or keto or you're already following these kinds of diets or you're gluten-free or you have any food allergies, all these things will be screened from the beginning. We can tailor your diet to things like, I eat corn-free, so I don't want anything that has corn in it, or gluten-free, same thing. Just all these things can be manipulated by the API to filter in exactly the precise suggestions for you. Oh, that's very cool. And that includes keto, you said, so you could remove oh, yeah. anything that is like not fit to keto? Yeah. That's very cool. That's a big thing. I know the main aim is food is medicine, but when you're talking about people who do fat loss and just having to think about what's in your diet, I have a lot of friends who are keto and they're like, spend so much time like, oh, I can't eat this. Oh, I can't eat this. Oh, I can't eat this. Uh, so, you see, exactly. Um, and, and a lot of people that are doing keto and other, and other diets like that have a higher awareness of things. But even yeah. some of those foods, they're, they're manufactured crap. And right, you, right, you have right. to really make sure that you're not getting the toxic debris and to be as clean as possible. And like I said in the beginning of this, if God didn't make it, don't eat it. Go back to source. <laughs> I know that one. Yeah, I think that's worse to live by. Great. So I think that gives me really a good place to move on to some of the actual nutritional trends and diets that we just touched on. I'm sure you're going to say nothing is a one size fits all and it depends on your specific needs and your specific goals and you should make sure the food is healthy. But I do want to touch on a few of these and not focus on really the fat loss and muscle gain benefits, but talk about the overall health benefits. So I think the easiest one to start with is one that I'm a big fan of that I've been doing for years, and that's intermittent fasting, which isn't really a diet so much as it is a diet structure, I suppose you could call it. And that would be intermittent fasting and time-restricted feeding. So just to clarify between the two of them, intermittent fasting would be when you're any type of diet when you don't eat for a certain amount of time, whereas time-restricted feeding is when you would not eat during certain periods during the day. So with intermittent fasting, you could, for example, not eat for a whole day, whereas time-restricted feeding, you would generally eat pretty much every day. So this has been shown to have massive benefits, releasing glucose levels, autophagy, which basically is your body eating itself to produce new cells. It, I think it's been shown to improve things like cancer cell growth, which I'm sure you'll have ideas on. What are your thoughts on this? Are you a fan? Yeah, actually, it's, it's great for stabilizing sleep patterns. It's great for stabilizing brain, for your gut. Yes, intermittent fasting is excellent for helping to choke off the cancer cell so that the cancer cell just can't eat. There's an amazing woman named Martha Tattenbaum, I believe is her name, Martha Tattenbaum. She's from Canada. She's a dietitian, and she found out that she had cancer. and as a dietitian, she just started digging into the literature and found out that for over a hundred years, there's been scientific data showing that intermittent fasting and very specific foods that you eat before and after chemo choke off the cancer cells so it cannot grow. For a hundred years, we've known this. Why are people getting cancer treatments and not having this care? It's criminal to me. Honestly, it truly is just criminal. So, yeah, I, I think that 
yes, I agree. <laughs> Fasting is great. Yes. Really fascinating. I think it definitely is. And just the stuff on cancer is, it's really one of a kind. And I don't know, some people say oh, it's so difficult to do, but for me, I have a friend who fasts uh, three days a week, like a full day of fasting. He's a pilot. For him, it's, it's easier probably not to eat anything than to eat something and then do it certain times and he doesn't have a normal circadian rhythm. But for me, it's just always been like, I got used to it and I have a lot of joint pain. And what I found was the funniest thing is that fasting actually helps the most with my joint pain compared to anything else. That's amazing. And well, and, and keep I mean, in mind too, like it doesn't have to be so hard. You just stop eating at eight o'clock at night before going to bed, like honestly, and then you sleep for eight hours. And then if you don't eat until about 11, excuse me, by doing your liquids and stuff in the morning and then start eating at around 11 a.m., you just fast. Yeah. As long as you, I think, limit food two hours before sleep and two hours after sleep, that's perfectly fine. Four. It's before. Four after sleep? Four hours before going to bed is when you should stop eating. Oh, really? Yeah. It, to give your gut the most... When you're sleeping, you're supposed to rest. To give your gut the most restful and repair-oriented chance, you want to have as much food move through as possible before you start to go to bed. I always recommend four hours. That's going to be very tough. I sleep pretty early, and that would mean I stop eating at 6, 6.30. I don't know if I can do that, doctor. <laughs> you seem to be doing fine with your schedule of, of fasting anyway, so I think you'll be all right. Okay, before we move on to some of the cool tech and gadgets, I want to know what are your overall thoughts on fat diets like keto, paleo, Mediterranean, and what have you? What are your thoughts on these? I don't recommend these diets. I look at the body at the chemical level and the biochemistry of what organ systems need to be healed. And then I don't go into, oh, now you should do keto too. So it's a fine balance for me. I respect that people are doing those diets and I want to be able to give them resources for that while they're using the app, obviously. But my first line of defense when I'm looking at somebody in their body, if they come in with gut problems or psoriasis or any of these other things, I don't say, hey, you should try a keto diet. No, we look at the organ systems and see what's been depleted the most and repair that. We start at the source of what is broken. So the fad diet itself isn't really part of the wheelhouse of what we're trying to have an impact on with Food Fixer and food as medicine. Fair enough then. Let's touch on some of the cool technologies and gadgets that you like to use within your practice and would generally recommend for people to use. Now we're talking. Cold laser therapy is one of those that I'm really keen on. Um, we had our first health guest speak on HPOT and the massive impacts that has. But I think cold laser therapy is something that I've seen you talk about a couple of times before. We'd love to know if you could give us some insights on what cold laser therapy is, what the difference between catabolic and anabolic lasers are, what they can do for you and how people can benefit. Yes. Cold Go laser therapy it. revolutionized how I handle a patient and consistently and with 100% confidence gives results that always help them every single time. The body is made out of light. We are light beings. That's how things kind of work. It's not just about a, a bunch of chemical cascades. When I found out about cold laser and started to use it in my office, it was revolutionary. What a cold laser is, a true anabolic laser. Anabolic means it builds body up, builds it up. The catabolic one would be like, say, for laser eye surgery, where you see the smoke coming off and stuff because it's cauterizing. Okay, that, that's the difference between the two. So with cold laser, and that's why it's called cold, because it's, you don't really feel anything when it's working on you. It's no more powerful than a scanner at the grocery store when you're looking at the light. So you don't have to worry about if it gets in your eyes. You're not 
go blind. You'll be okay. In fact, I've used it to actually help repair corneal scratches and tear duct clogs on a baby, actually. It can be very safe. A true laser actually stands for light amplification by the stimulated emission of radiation, L-A-S-E-R. So that's a true laser. And this is a, a massive industry with a ton of different kinds of lasers. The kind that I'm talking about that helps to repair the body is set at 635 nanometers. And 635 nanometers is the light phase of a cell. It's the time when your cell is at its most healthy and alive. Life phase. Because a cell is born, it lives, and then it dies. Just like everything else, it's how we repair. The laser will help to decrease pain, decrease inflammation, increases range of motion and muscle strength. And we have all this empirical data on all of this, too. We've been doing this for a long time. And when I say we, I actually used to work with a company who designed one of the first ones here in the United States and helped to train other doctors how it was used. And there's an amazing quantum physicist that worked with us, too. His name was James Oshman. And he wrote the book called Energy Medicine. If you've never read that, it's a mind blower. It will definitely change your mind and how energy works in the body, that it's real, that it's quantifiable. There are machines now that can actually measure the electricity that comes off of your heart, the sinoatrial node. That's why they put the paddles on and say, clear, and give you electricity. So the sinoatrial node, the electricity that comes off of your body can now be measured 15 feet away from your body. So when you are standing in front of somebody and you feel like you have a vibe with them of some sort, it could be a good vibe or a bad vibe, whatever, it's real. Like you're actually exchanging currents of energy. The laser helps to repair tissue in ways that I like to say it, it makes heal like Wolverine from the inside out, from the cellular level on out. By increasing the electron transport, that's one way that it does it. It affects the mitochondria directly. So there's less tissue damage from free radicals because the laser helps to streamline that. It also helps to repair skin and tissue in ways that doesn't leave as big of scars. In fact, you can have pretty much almost no scar formation happen if you get the laser on immediately after, say, surgery in particular, where you have the wound open. As we touched on earlier, all wounds carry a charge and they're negatively charged. So the laser helps to also mitigate that and neutralize that charge so it, it helps to speed up the repair process as well. This, yeah, there's, I would never, ever in a million years ever go back into a clinical practice again without having cold laser therapy. Very cool. How can people do this? I know it's usually alongside chiropractic work, but how would someone undergo it? Is there a specific type of doctor that generally has this or it's just one of those things you should look around who might do it? In my experience from being in sales with the company, the guys that are using it the most are chiropractors, PTs, and sometimes massage therapists that are right. have more of a medical background. Some functional medicine doctors. I, I would look for doctors that if they're already progressive enough to be using hyperbaric oxygen therapy and, and ozone therapy and some of these other things, if they don't have a laser, then ask them who might. Or you can just get on a website like the laser that I use is from Erconia Medical. And you can look for any practitioner that has the laser and they'll help set you up. And they're cool. global too. They do sell these all over the place. Is this a permanent solution or is it still something you need to keep doing? Or again, it depends on the specific person and the specificity of the problem. So you have chronic shoulder pain. Yes. Probably. I think that if you find the right doctor that's looking at all the different areas of your shoulder and doing physical adjustments, looking at the entire, like there's 17 muscles that are attached to your scapula. It could be any one mm -hmm. of those that keeps getting aggravated 
and that you don't even know it. It needs to be reprogrammed to neurologically so that it understands what its role really is instead of what it's doing. It can be any one of those 17 muscles. I've reversed lots of shoulder pains many times <laughs> because of using laser, yeah. but also by knowing the neurology, anatomy, the muscles, the attachment to the bone, what bones are moving, which ones aren't, what are your asymmetries or imbalances that you have, is your cervical spine or your neck and all the nerves coming out of there, is it innervating the areas that need to be done? Have all these tests been done? That's where you need to start. And again, it's not about just shining a light and sending you on your way. You need to do very specific things for maybe one, only one muscle of all those seven. And we don't know. So right. um, the laser, though, will give you a, a damn good chance of getting much better, if not completely under control. Cool. I'll definitely find someone who does that here then and, and, and let you know how it goes. Please do. <laughs> we'll do. Okay. Uh, another cool thing I've heard you talk about a lot of times is blood flow restriction bands. As someone who's always looking to maximize gains <laughs> with doing as little work as possible because I'm always working and just getting 45 minutes to an hour max per day to work out. It sounds like a really cool thing. From what I could see on the literature, it's very scientific and very exciting. Can yes. you give us some insights on what it is, how it works, and who specifically could benefit, if not everyone? Yeah, BFR is amazing. And um, it just came into my awareness, I would say, in the last two or three years, honestly. There's a company called B3 Bands. They're my favorite. And the reason being, they're designed by a chiropractor and they up-leveled how blood flow resistance training works in a way that is the only one that will not cause damage because it has little air pillows inside the band. If the band is flat like this, it has these little chambers like that go here. And in each of those chambers, when you fill up the, the chambers with air, they fill up, but there's still a little, a little space in between each one. Venous and arterial blood flow can still occur. And therefore, some of the things that have gone wrong with BFR is that you restrict so much that it's like a tourniquet and you end up causing tissue damage. This company fixed that, basically. And what's so incredibly amazing about BFR to me is the natural growth hormone production that occurs. When you're using a BFR band from the B3 bands and you're doing your workouts, you should only do use them like 20 minutes or so. You're not supposed to do full-on hardcore workouts. You need to work up to that. You know, if you're somebody that's an Olympian, we're talking a little bit different because you're already in that physiological state where you're using stuff all the time. But when you're just getting started, some of the stories of people who have been using BFR, there was a gentleman who was in his 70s who couldn't get out of his wheelchair and he would just start using them. You put them real high on your shoulders here and real high on your thighs as well. And just by doing that little by little, it helped the muscle to grow. It causes what's called angiogenesis, which means more blood can flow into the tissue because more blood vessels are there to help nourish and help grow the tissue. Actually, with your shoulder problem, this could be something that would help you because it's really good for, for physical therapy and repair as well. You're releasing nitric oxide, which is the magic pill of the body, basically. It's better than vitamin C in how it repairs your brain as well as your tissue and your body and gives you more oxygenation, more energy, more brain repair, more tissue repair, all of it. Like Nitric oxide is just absolutely 
by far one of the most important supplements that everybody should be taking. If you're not taking it, go to Berkeley Lice and <laughs> don't order your nitric oxide because you should be taking it. We're all depleted with nitric oxide and, and magnesium. And I highly recommend both of those as well as omega-3 essential fatty acids. You got to do them. But yeah, so when you're training with BFR, it's the weirdest experience. The first time I ever used them, I put them on and I pumped them up and I was just jumping on my little trampoline and I just, I jumped off the trampoline like I usually do. And when I did, I was like, and, and, and I didn't have any strength <laughs> in my legs. I'm like, what just happened? This is crazy. You definitely feel the effects of this right away. And this guy's Mark Wahlberg, who works out with these things on all the time. He works out every day. And Chris Helmsworth, this guy that played Thor. Yeah. So yeah, he, another guy that, that works out using BFR because it's all about smarter, not harder. And when you're working out, you're repairing and releasing human growth hormone naturally. So you're going to get bigger if you want to. It's just, it's that's a no brainer. It's an awesome thing to have. Is it more for muscle gain or is it also for rehab and rehab as well? You mentioned the shoulder, oh. so I want to know. <laughs> Yeah, okay. yeah, it's both. It's both. Because when you're increasing nitric oxide and angiogenesis both, you're actually helping to decrease pain and inflammation too. And what are the best practices for using it? Should you, it's okay to use at home, I'm guessing, based on everything you said. So can you just work out like body weight training and do normal workouts? Or is there a specific type of workout people should do that they should starring? It's recommended that you use less weight than you normally work out with. So if you usually are lifting 20 pound weights, you should do like five or basically because of the impact that it has. And, you know, I am a certified B3 bands trainer. I can work with people and discuss this, but it is very important that the 20 minute mark is where things are just so that you do mitigate some of the side effects that could occur from working out too hard with them too fast. Okay. Is it 20 minutes per 24 hours or can you like do it two, three yeah. times a day? Yeah, okay. it's recommended 20 minutes for the workout. And you can do a pre-workout or post-workout, wear them after your workout. Okay, 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 you okay. Know. So, so could, could you like do a normal bodybuilding set and then do this at the end to, to hit failure on all the muscle groups, basically? Yeah, That's but with cool. less weight, a lot less weight. It'd be more like... Of course, a, of course. It'd be more like that cool down. I'm imagining some of the gym bros... Pumping these on. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. And, and be, <laughs> being well, humbled by this. Is, is, seeing, is seeing really cool athletes. For example, we had a, a volleyball player. The girl was in high school and she was get, trying to get to college and, and wanted to increase her vertical. She, something like 16 inches more that she could jump. It was incredible. And the amount of wow. physical activity and improvement that you get with this is just outstanding. And again, with the length that we'll provide for B3 with Uncommon as part of the length, you'll see there's a whole bunch of literature that the company has created, which is amazing. Like little videos that teach you how it's good for thyroid repair, how it's good for brain repair, how it's good for muscle repair, how it's good to, to gain muscle mass, how it's good to have hormone regulations from everything in between. You'll be able to learn about all that. Very cool. Okay. You touched on nitric oxide. Can you go a bit more in detail on that as well? What does it do exactly? How does it work in, in the body, whether you take it as a supplement or if you get it? Yeah. Nit nitric oxide, it's core. Like the, It helps with your immunity because a macrophage, which is a, a little tiny cell in your body that helps to repair, is part of your immune system. It releases nitric oxide naturally to help kill pathogens. So if you're dealing with anything that 
your immune system is spiked with, nitric oxide is going to keep you healthy. Just even looking at COVID and all of the germs that were brought to the surface by being aware of things like COVID. <laughs> now you realize this is why you wash your hands. So you're not picking your nose and holding on to something that's standing right next to you that somebody else can grab onto. But the immune system is at its core based on using nitric oxide. Your blood vessels also at their core have receptor sites and use nitric oxide to constrict and dilate. Even things like for heart disease, obviously, it's a massive help. That's why people are instructed to arginine is, is a good resource for eating things that have nitric oxide in them. Even better is stuff like arugula. Yeah, the blood flow, your circulatory system. So that means it, it would help with impotence as well for men and women. It for sexual dysfunction is really helpful for that. So your immunity, your brain function, it helps with brain clarity. Neurology in general is all affected by nitric oxide and as well as the circulatory system, of, of course, that's going to be affected there too. So when you're looking at immunology, neurology, and circulatory system, that's pretty much your massive life force right there. That's very cool. Okay. Is there anyone in particular who shouldn't be taking it? I know, for example, you mentioned impotence. People who are taking uh, erectile dysfunction medication shouldn't be touching nitric oxide, if I'm not wrong. That's what the crime shows always say. Anyone else who shouldn't be using it? Just from talking with the experts, there aren't too many people who shouldn't be it, honestly. Okay. It's like vitamin C. Your body takes in what it needs to and will just eliminate what it doesn't. And the amount that you'd have to take to get into toxic realm is really high and it's really difficult to get there. It's one of the safest of all supplements. And I can say with confidence that when taken in the right doses and you're not taking too much, pretty much anybody can be doing it just like vitamin okay. C. Even people on prescription medications can take vitamin C too. And a lot of restrictions are just not warranted in the side effect with eating, honestly. The amount of things that you see that are detrimental or life-threatening from taking a prescription and eating certain foods. The odds of that being bad is so low that I can sit here with confidence and say, I do not even worry about it. When you're looking at food in particular, there's no food that's really going to completely destroy a human person and cause and death right. the way that prescription drugs do. If you want to put two chemicals in the same compartment, you're looking at a food versus a prescription drug that's been created and you have 20 seconds worth of side effects in the 30 second commercial or death, maybe one of them. I just, I don't get it. I just don't get how right. that's okay in our society. I do not find the interaction of foods with a lot of prescriptions is something to worry excessively about. Of course, there's always the, the one or two things, exceptions that are out there. So I'm not saying, just say, forget it and get out there. You, you still, very specific people may still have some things to look at according to their blood structure and their organ function and things like that. But for the most part, food is so healing. And that's why people who are on chemotherapy should eat completely differently than people who just had a heart attack because your body eats different things different ways. And it's so, so much safer than so many other things that you can do. That makes sense. Before we wrap up, any final thoughts, any maybe key takeaways that you think our listeners should keep taking? I think you, you said it just now <laughs> in a perfect way, but anything else you'd like to add to that at all before we wrap up? 
I think just staying open to science and understanding that true science looks at things from all perspectives. It doesn't just have the idealism of a, a prescription drug or the idealism of just food. Our body is an energetic system that is integrative and complex and works together. It's not just little pieces of Petri dishes all over. It's, we are an exceptional living system connected to the universe, to the earth, and to each other. And having that mindfulness and realizing that we have infinite potential to heal and infinite potential to affect others in the most positive way. My greatest takeaway is to stay connected to that, connected to God, source, all that is, and allow for the earth and the universe to work with you because there's so much more available to us when you stay open to what and how you can heal outside of things that we can't always see. I love that. I really do. Thank you so much, Dr. Grace. For our listeners who want to follow you and uh, the amazing work that you do, especially with Food Fixer, where can they find you? Where should they go to learn more? Like you touched on before, I do have my podcast, Uncommon Medicine. We got a brief hiatus right now as Food Fixer is really starting to take off. So it's taking a little more of my time. However, some of the archives that we have in, in Uncommon Medicine is really awesome. So I'd recommend that. Of course, Food Fixer, and that's spelled S-O-D-S-I, capital X, capital R. And you can go to our website and learn things there, as well as follow us on LinkedIn, Insta. It's our tag is at Fixer. And as we're starting to really build out and finally launch. And so as we're launching, we'll be updating our branding and website and all that kind of good stuff. So just know that for right now, we're still in the beginning stages of everything. But this has been 15 years of experience in the process. And now the tech is going to be talking for us. Looking forward to it. I'm hoping you'll launch in the Middle East very soon so I can play around with it myself. Definitely be looking for it overseas. A lot of food is still food. So you'll be able to have some sort of resources no matter what. And then we'll just keep learning as we go and get all the good stuff from over there in the app as well. We'll get to there. I appreciate it. But until then, thank you so much, Dr. Grace. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you.